0: So we've been in a fun series. Uh, Justin has entrusted me with uh, filling in for him this week as he gets to take a, a needed vacation. Justin does so much. He he him him and Kara, their their whole family. They love us. They love they love people and 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 they love people. They just love people really well. But we all know that loving people isn't easy, and sometimes it can be really tough. And so, real excited that they could just have a break and and really be able to just to enjoy this week with their family. So we've been in this series talking about the dark room, and Justin's been killing it the past two weeks, talking about disbelief, and last week talking about lies that we deal with. The dark room, specifically, I'm not a photographer, I'm not good with Instagram. I usually look to some of you all, actually all of you all, to to help me with that because you know, if you if you've seen my Instagram, I have like what two posts every year. It's it's pretty rough. I I'm I'm not I'm not into that. My brother is. My brother is he's an architect, he's he just he can do whatever you want when it comes to pictures and stuff, he takes the coolest pictures. I don't understand that stuff. But the limited knowledge that I have about a dark room is a dark room is a place where Basically, pictures are taken and they're processed in this dark room, and there is as limited light as possible, so that the light can, or so that the image cannot be adulterated by any incoming light. So, you put a picture while it's being processed, while it's coming into fruition. I think that's the right word for it. Okay, I'm getting some head nods. But you put it there, and then, while it's in this dark place it turns into this beautiful image. And that's, that's where we've been. We've been talking about disbelief in the midst of all the things in the world where us trying to believe the Lord, believe the promises of God, trying to trust in those promises and how hard that can be. And then last week, Justin did such a good job talking about Jesus and how Jesus knew who he was and where he came from. But the Pharisees were doing exactly what well, we've seen many times with us, where they're coming in and they're like, no, no, no. You say you say this is, this is who your father is. That's not really your father. You say this is what you are. This isn't who you really are. The Pharisees are trying to tell him what his identity is. How many times do we hear the world trying to tell us who we are and what we are? Not knowing us, just judging us from afar and saying, this is who you need to see yourself as. And so we have this struggle, this battle with lies. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the dark room of fear. This is a very personal sermon for me because, you know, Katie knows, people who know me well, my whole life I've struggled with fear. I've, I've struggled with timidity. It's, it's always been a battle for me. And so I'm real excited for this. I'm real excited to be able to share with y'all. And, I, and my hope for today is, is that the Lord would clothe us with his courage and his bravery as we look at things in our lives that bring us fear. So I'm going to pray, and we'll dive right in. Lord Jesus, open up our minds and our hearts to hear you, to want to hear what you have to say. This is universal, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to to allow ourselves to be spoken to this morning and to realize, Lord, to see the different areas of our lives where we struggle with fear. Help us to see this, and then most of all, help us to do exactly what Rich talked about, which is to get our eyes on you. So does any problems and then trust you. pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So does anybody like scary movies? A few? A few fans? Okay. Some, of, some people are probably like, uh, "I don't like scary movies. Maybe a couple people are like, "Why are you even talking about scary movies in church?" Hey, I, I'm, whether you're a fan of scary movies or not, you know, when I think about fear, a lot of times I think about scary movies and I think about a terrible. Experience I had with my dad. I'm certain that my dad loves me. Um, I think so, at least. When I remember this story, I question it sometimes because of what he did to me. Basically, I was like 11 years old, and he came up to me and he was like, Hey, Jordan, you wanna go see a movie together? And I was like, Sweet, father son time, let's go and hang out. I found out later that that was not at all his concern. He wanted to go see a scary movie, and he just wanted someone to come with him, and I was around. And so we go see this movie called The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> not encouraging anyone to see it, not, not promoting it, just saying what happened. We go see this movie. We're both terrified. We come out of the movie theater. It's really quiet. We're driving home, and the scariest part of the movie was what happened afterwards. He turns to me as we're pulling into a gas station. He's like, man, Jordan, what did you think about that movie? And I was like, oh, I was pretty scared. He's like, yeah. You know, the worst thing about that movie is that it was true <laughs> and that there are witches everywhere. And you got to watch out, man, because, yeah, you just got to watch out. And then he gets out of the car. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? And I was like, I had my eyes like, I was like, even though he was just five feet away pumping the gas, I was terrified. And So I, had, I just had to make sure that he was still in sight. I was so scared. I remember going home. Being terrified driving home, I remember going to bed that night. And so, my in my bedroom there was a window, and I don't there weren't that many stray cats in the neighborhood. I don't even know if they were stray, but man, I just think there was like a cat club that was right outside my window because they were always making. They would gather right around my window and make the weirdest noises. I don't know what was going on. It was always strange. And sure enough, they were there that night. And I was just like, they're with the Blair Witch. She's jumping through the window. This is the end. I was so scared that night. I was terrified. I, why did he take me to that movie? I still can't. I'm going to ask him about that. Why, why did you do that? He shouldn't have taken me to see that movie. I was terrified. But when we think about fear, a lot of times we think of things like you know, scary movies or something like that. But fear is very real. And sadly... It's much more real than that. Fear is universal for us all. Basil King, he has a book called *The Conquest of Fear*, and he says fear dogs one. He says fear dogs one man in one way, and one person in another, but everyone in some way. And we can all relate with that. All of us struggle with fear, it, and it it may be it may be you may be afraid of like the fear of death, or the universal fear, which is the fear of being alone. You may struggle with the fear of regret, getting to the end of your life and not being able to accomplish the dreams and the hopes that you had. Maybe it's financial fears—you don't have as much emergency money saved away as you think you ought to have, and so if some kind of something happens, then you won't have the money to to make it through that situation. Maybe it's a fear of not being able to pay for your children's education or college education or something. There's this fear, fear of so many different things. We all struggle with fear. Fear of not being, not being accepted by the people around us. Fear of how we're perceived. We're all facing fear. Everybody, everybody is dealing with fear in some way. It doesn't matter. When you walk through the grocery store, you're walking around people who all the time, point in time, they will have fear that they're dealing with in that day. We're not sick all the time. We're not sinning all the time or, or dealing with the temptations of sin that, that sin brings, but we're always dealing with fear in some way and having to overcome that. And so courage, courage is what our focus would be today. Fear, courage, and cowardice. Courage is courage is the ability to endure the things that frighten, frighten us. And cowardice well, cowardice is the is the unpleasant response of giving in to fear. What happens when you when you when you give in to cowardice? You put more weight behind the thing that you see. Basically, you put your fear you put your faith in the wrong thing. That's what happens when we're cowards. And I'm going to use that word coward because. It's a very real word. It's a word that scares me. It's in Revelations 21. The Bible has these lists, you know, these lists of doing right things, these lists of doing the wrong thing. And it has this list in Revelations, bless you, in Revelations 21, where it says that it has this, it talks about this group of people who will choose to be away from God for for eternity. It's a really sad list. But at the beginning of that list, it says, cowards, that haunts me. It disturbs me. Cowards. What is cowards doing in this list? When it's talking about sexual people living in sexual immorality and murderers and stealers and all these things. And cowards is the first one on the list. Yeah, it it, it terrifies me. But when we go back and we look back at our lives, this is so real. Fear, courage, cowardice. Every... Every great moment of your life, every great moment, doesn't matter what it was, there was this moment where you had to decide, okay, no matter how hard it looks, no matter what I have to go through, I am going to believe and I'm going to try and I'm going to risk something here. I think about when I asked Katie out out the first time. We were friends. We had been friends for a couple years. She was, she was one of my closest friends. She was, she was one of my best friends. And I remember this fear that I had where I was like, ah, I want to ask Katie out. But if she says no, it will always be. It will. You hear people say, oh, we can just be friends after this. No, you can't. It's, it, it, it's, it's dead. It's dead forever. And so I, did, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be in a situation where she's like, ah, I like you. Jordan and get the terrible pat on the shoulder and as a friend though and then you know we never talk again for you know an eternity. I didn't want that and so as I'm thinking about this I'm like man such a such a triumphant moment of her being with me but in between that triumphant moment and where I am right now is this fear this risk that I have to take, well, I took the risk, and, you know, I'm happy. I think she's happy too, but we're together. It worked out. But that, that's, what, that's what happens in those moments of success, but then what happens in those moments of failure, in those moments of regret? You have something where it, the cost was too high in your mind it was too much, it was too impossible. So you never took that leap, you never tried, you walked away, cowardice pants. Yeah, cowardice sucks. It really sucks, it didn't matter what you believe, didn't matter what your worldview is, no one wants to be known as a coward, no one. <laughs> Raise your hand if you wanna be known as a coward. Exactly, no one wants to be a coward. And so we're gonna talk this morning about how to be courageous, and we're going to look at a really fun story, really a person I love in the Bible, his name is Peter, we're going to focus in on him and his encounter with Jesus, and it's so cool, because what we're about to read, basically, it is like one of the biggest roller coaster days that you'll ever see, or at least we we see in the entire Bible. Basically, the disciples and Jesus, the day starts off with them finding out that Jesus's Cousin was wrongfully beheaded, and he's dead. And they get news of this: John the Baptist has been killed. That's how it's like that's how the day starts. And they're trying to deal with that. And then they're like, they kind of want to get alone. Jesus wants to get alone. They want to process this, but there just happens to be ten thousand plus people around them. And so all this stuff is going on. But then they realize that it's late in the day. They're serving these people. And they don't want to send these people away hungry. And so Jesus says, we got to feed them. Well, they they only had five loaves and two fish. And then they watched Jesus feed this 10,000-plus people. It's amazing. And so that's where we pick up. In Matthew 14, it says, Immediately he he made the disciples get into the boat. And go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. You could just imagine how discouraged and exhausted, emotionally exhausted, Jesus was in this moment. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 a.m. in the morning, between 3 and 6 in the morning, He came to them walking on the sea. That is so cool. Could you just imagine that? It said that the boat was beaten by the waves. They were in a storm. So many times when I think of like Jesus walking on water, I think of like basically this is like underneath the water. The water is super still. It's almost like Jesus has like an underwater ramp. And he's like walking on it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, he's like barely picking up his feet. But it's like, no, it was like he was hiking. He was like, it was like, it was like that. It was, he's walking up and down these waves. He's walking through like waves crashing into him. It wasn't like this smooth, like it was like, it was tumultuous water. And that's what he's walking through. It's just, it's just so cool to me. And the disciples are up because they're in a storm. And you know it had to be a bad storm because these guys are used to being on water, but it even bothered them because, you know, a lot of them are fishermen. So, yeah, that was cool. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. These guys are exhausted. Exhausted. And Jesus calls out to them spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. You know, I just have to say this about what's Peter. When we think about Peter, I know I can be really hard towards Peter. You know, yes, he does have a foot-shaped mouth. (laughs) Yes, he does make... So many mistakes. He is an impetuous, impetuous and pa- passionate man. But if he wasn't as impetuous as he was, I don't think he would have done what he did right here. All the other guys, they probably would have looked back at the situation and been like, Man, why didn't we ask to try to walk on the water with Jesus? But Peter, he acts before he thinks. And that gets him to be in a situation where no one else in history... That we know of has ever experienced outside of Jesus, which is walking on water. (laughs) I just, I I think Peter's awesome in, in spite of all of his ups and downs. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Man, if in heaven there is like a movie, like reel of history going on at all, all the time, I would so like to be in there, having a seat to be able to see that. What a... What a sweet sweet experience. The rest of the morning, we're going to talk about this word, take heart. We sang about it, and that's our focus. That's what our focus is going to be. That word, take heart, it's the Greek word tharseo. Tharseo. It means be instilled with courage. Tharseo. Jesus, it's only used in the entire Bible in relation to Jesus. It's only in relation to his life. Most of the time, it's just him saying it. In some ways, only he can say it. But that's a whole nother nother thing. Tharseo, be instilled with courage. Be of good courage. Be brave. Be courageous. I don't know about y'all, but when I think about courage and fear, a lot of times I know exactly, like, the problem with fear that really sucks is... You don't, you don't like realize, oh, okay, well, I'm afraid, but then I don't really understand what I should do. You usually always know exactly what to do, always. It's the issue of actually being able to do it, which is really frustrating about when we think about courage because I'm like, man, I know that I should be courageous in this moment. The problem is not what figuring out what I should do. The problem is being able to do it. That's where my real struggle is. When it comes to fear, how can I actually make myself be courageous? That's a question I've been asking myself my entire life. I'm so comforted as I look back at Jesus using this word. He uses this word, and we're gonna look at just some of the times that he uses it, not all of the times. The first time that he used it, was when a man had the coolest set of friends, the kind of friends that everybody wished that they had. This dude was paralyzed, and his friends wanted to take him to Jesus in order to see him get saved. And they carry him over to a house where Jesus is speaking, but they can't get through the door. It's packed. And so they go onto the roof, open up the roof, and then lower him down right in front of Jesus while he's speaking. It's, it's like, like... Talk about devotion. Like these guys wanted to help this dude. And I'm so fascinated by this story. It's in Matthew chapter nine because Jesus, he shows how much he is God. He is God made man. What does he do in that moment? He doesn't look at this man and be like, oh, he's like everybody else. He just wants to be healed physically. He realizes the root of his problem, which is it was sin. We don't know why. We don't know what happened. But there is the gospel writers are hinting at this idea that there is something between this man's sin and his physical condition. And Jesus says to him, take heart. He tells him, take heart. Your sins are forgiven, Matthew 9, 2. The first time that he tells someone to be instilled with courage, it has to do with sin. When it comes to fear, sometimes when it comes to fear, our struggle isn't so much like, ah, you know, I'm trying to do some courageous thing. It's really, man, I'm just really dealing with temptation constantly. Or I'm, I, have, I have some past sin in my life, and that, that is like the lies that Justin talked about last week. Those past sins are telling me this is what I'll always be. I can never overcome this. I can never be courageous because I'll always be steeped in sin, in a sense. And he t- the first person he tells, be instilled with courage, it has to do with sin. And he's saying, you can be courageous in spite of your sin and your past sins. Your past does not have to define you. That's so cool to me. Matthew 9.22, Justin talked about the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, she had spent all of her money trying to get healing. She was unable to fix her problem. And the doctors and the people that she paid were also unable to fix her problems. And she's at the end of a rope. She has no money. She has nothing left. She's, she has nothing to offer. She is in this, this dark room of total inability to fix her situation. And Jesus speaks out to her, take heart, be courageous, be courageous. Be instilled with courage. There is hope for you too. And then we have what we read, Matthew 14. The disciples are out on the water. The mystery of life around them, the ups and downs, they're exhausted, they're wearied. And and they think that they're alone on this water. They think that they're working through the mystery of this life by themselves. And Jesus speaks out to them, take heart. It is I. Be instilled with courage. We sang about it earlier. Matthew, John 16 33. Jesus, it's the last night that he is is with the disciples. It is the very last night that he is with them before he takes on the cross. And he's speaking to them and he's talking about what we're living in now. He said, When after I leave, it's going to get hard. The world is gonna press down on you for your hope in me. The world is gonna tell you that you're crazy for your hope in me, that you're believing in an archaic and irrelevant hope, an archaic and irrelevant dream. This Jesus, he can't save you. The world will press down on you for believing this. The world will seem so powerful that you will feel powerless in the world. When you watch the news, when you look at what's going on in the world, you will feel overcome and powerless. But he said to them, Take heart, I have overcome the world. And I'm so comforted by the last time that he spoke this. He spoke it in Acts 23 11. He's, he spoke it to Paul. Paul has served Jesus faithfully for many, many years. He, had, he wishes to have no enemy, yet he is sitting in a jail cell that he did not deserve. And sadly, this jail cell is his closest friend because the, this jail cell is the only thing that's protecting him from the darkness outside, which is the fact that people want, are wanting to kill him and are literally plotting to kill him. And he's discouraged. In serving Jesus faithfully, he is discouraged by the way that people are treating him and responding to him. And God speaks to him in that moment. And he says, take courage, Paul, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Be instilled with courage. Ah, This is so comforting. This is so comforting because of what I'm about to say. Bless you again. We all want to walk on water, all of us. By that, I mean we all want to see the impossible happen in our lives, be it sin, be it the way that the world treats you, be it serving Jesus, be it just your physical ailments, relational ailments, situations where you feel powerless. And in between Jesus and what he's calling you to and you standing in that boat is a A situation where you have to walk on water in order to have victory here. How? How are we supposed to be able to do that? How are we supposed to have courage in this? I'm so encouraged by what I'm about to say. And if you don't get anything, if you don't get anything this morning, please get this one thing that I am about to say. This is what the whole of what courage hinges on is this knowledge of this truth. When Jesus calls us to anything, he is in that moment enabling us to be able to do it. His commands are ever his enablings. His calling is ever his enabling. If he's asking you to give up this or to give up that, to go and take this risk or take that risk, to, to, tr- to try to love him in this way or that way. He is in that moment promising, I will enable you to be able to do this. His commands are ever his enablings. When he calls out to Peter and he says, it is I. And Peter says, Lord, can I come to you? And he says, yes. And Peter responding to his voice He is in that moment stepping out of the boat and Jesus is enabling him. It does not matter what he is calling you to. His commands are ever his enablings. I thought it was so interesting and so cool what Rich had to say because he basically said exactly what I'm saying. Peter heard his voice and all of us hear Jesus's voice, all of us. Peter Marshall, someone like to read, pastor used to be the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, died really young, made a movie about him, really cool movie, called A Man Called Peter. He talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit speaking to us is like a tap on the shoulder. So many times we think God's going to speak to us like, oh, you'll go this way. Like, like we just think of something like ridiculous, but it's it's not like, that's not how he speaks. It's usually his quiet, still, small voice leading us, challenging us. Hey, follow me here. I'm over here. Come with me over here. Before you came here this morning, you heard his voice in some way. And when he calls you to follow him, he is enabling you to do it that very minute. The only thing you have to do is what Rich said. You have to listen And you have to go towards it. That's it. Joshua, anybody like Joshua? Book of Joshua, Old Testament. Some people, Old Testament? Uh, No? Nobody reads the Old Testament? Dang, it's real quiet. Mm, Yeah, all right. Well, anyways, Joshua, he's in the Old Testament. I really like Joshua. Really cool because I can totally relate with this dude. You know, I think there there was some fear in his heart, and I can relate with that. Because six times, God tells him, just in one chapter, like in between Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1, six times, six times, God speaks to him and says, be strong and cor- courageous. Be strong and courageous. I don't think that he told him that because he was trying to make it clear to him, this is what you need to do. I think he was comforting him and reminding him, I will enable you to be strong and courageous. This is the standard that I have set for you, and this is my promise to you, how I will enable you to be able to do this. Be strong and courageous. Bless you. You think about Peter. You think about Peter. Peter, in this moment, He starts to look at the things going on around him, and those things get attention over Jesus, and he starts to sink. You look at Peter, so many times he looks like a coward. He looks most of all like a coward when he bails on Jesus, when Jesus takes on the cross. You see Peter, and he's Peter the Coward. But then you keep reading in the Bible, and you see him as Peter the Courageous, Peter the Hero. Peter the victor, Peter the triumphant, defying the Caesars and their wrath, defying the the very men who put Jesus on the cross. He defies them. You see him later on, and he's willing to take on the very cross that his Lord took, dying a martyr's death. What is it in between Peter the coward and Peter the triumphant He didn't stop listening to his voice. He never gave up on Jesus' voice, even in the midst of his failures. And that journey took him to see the tragedy of the cross. That journey took him to see the glory of the resurrection. That journey took him to see the glory of the ascension. And that journey took him to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't have to get it all right right now. The only thing we have to get right right now is how can I say yes to where your voice is speaking to me in this moment? And that journey will take us from maybe his cowards one day to becoming those who are courageous. His commands are ever his enablings. If he is commanding me to do something, that means he is promising to make me be able to do what I never would have been able to do without him. He is inviting me to a life beyond what I never would have been able to do without him. His commands are ever his enablings. The band can come back up. Wherever you are, find courage in saying yes to wherever his voice is directing you next. And let that journey take you all the different places it took took Peter. You will be courageous in the end. There is courage and there is hope for all of us. We can do this. Lord God, I thank you for the courage that you give us all, and I thank you for the courage that you give me, Lord. So many times I look at life and I look at the struggles around me and I just feel weighed down and I feel like I can't do this, Lord God. But there is hope for me, Lord God. There is hope for us all. Lord God, help us to never forget that if you are commanding us to go somewhere, you are enabling us to be able to go there with you and to walk on water in order to get there. Help us not to give up on your voice. Please, Lord God, help us not to run from your voice. It's the only way we can fail, Lord, is if we give up on you and your ability to work through us and in us. I thank you, Lord God. Speak to my friends today. Pray this all in Jesus' name.